the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Poop could be coming to a street near you. Yeah, and we're not talking about dog poop. It's the kind that homeless people have been using as their calling card in places like uh, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, all cities, of course, run by Democrats. Um, There used to be vagrancy laws, I think, that could be used to get drunken bums off the streets, but the bums have gone beyond alcohol now. Now it's fentanyl and heroin. Well, Pittsburgh has been run by Democrats literally, literally, for as long as anybody who lives in Pittsburgh can remember. And if Abraham Lincoln came back from the dead to run for mayor next month as a Republican, he wouldn't get 30% of the vote. So there's not a lot of pressure on city and county government to fix what appears to be a, a growing homeless problem in Pittsburgh. A homeless encampment caught on fire on the south side a few days ago. And so, so just think about the fact that there now is something on the south side that we refer to as a homeless encampment. An encampment. Well, Bobby Haar is a guy who used to work for Project Veritas, and he started a media venture called Eyes on Pittsburgh. It's actually Eyes on PGH. He's done a documentary on homelessness in Pittsburgh, Got it, and it's already gotten over 100,000 views in a couple of days. And he talked to lots of homeless people. He hasn't been able to get a response to his questions from city government or even an acknowledgment of this uh, problem and the fire on the in the encampment on the south side. After the break, we'll have him on to talk about what he's learned about the homeless in Pittsburgh and, I guess, uh, what he's learned about the government in Pittsburgh. Who are these homeless people? How did they end up on the street? And what the city could and should do to clean up the mess? In our second half hour, speaking of problems out west working their way back here, a trucking company is suing the state of Pennsylvania for its plan to follow California's lead on adding new restrictions to trucks for environmental purposes that could put all the truckers in Pennsylvania out of business. Stick around. So are we on our way to becoming Portland East or maybe Seattle East or San Francisco East? You've probably seen the videos um, coming out of those cities, sidewalks lined with tents filled with homeless people. And you've heard stories of people pooping on the street. Maybe the media haven't been doing a good job of covering it, but we apparently have our own version of that here. Bobby Haar is with Eyes on Pittsburgh, and he's been covering it. He joins us now. Bobby, thanks for coming on. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start with the video that you produced that has over 100,000 views already. What's on it? Yeah, so I took a trip down to the south side where a lot of people were telling me about this homeless encampment. Um, I'd already started documenting some areas around the city, but this is basically the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, you know homeless encampments, filth, waste, needles, uh, you name it. I mean, it's it's about as bad as it gets. And uh, I decided to visit it, and I documented basically the whole thing. I, I took a tour through throughout the inside of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically indistinguishable from a landfill. 
And so uh, this is the encampment, it's called, on the south side, and it, it caught on fire uh, recently. So what, what, give us a little description of, uh, you know, uh, some more detail on what you found there, what it looks like. Yeah, uh, so I, I want to comment about the fire you mentioned. It happened okay. to catch on fire one hour after I published the video, which was crazy. The second time this encampment's caught on fire since 2017, um, and while I was there, you know, I saw everything from, I mean, John, you couldn't go one foot without stepping on a used needle, uh, stamp bags of heroin, um, bike parts, uh, a slew of rusty bikes, pieces of scrap metal. There was a fire pit, um, absolutely filthy porta potty and just piles and piles and piles of trash. There was couches, uh, recliners, furniture. It, it was incredible that this actually exists in Pittsburgh. And where exactly is it on the south side and how close to you know homes and businesses? Sure, yeah. This is right uh, over by George K. Couples Stadium. Um, it's at uh, South 7th Street in East Carson, right under the McCardle Viaduct. And uh, it is pretty close to businesses. I don't remember exactly what's next to it, but you can throw a stone from about three or four businesses and hit this encampment. Um, it's so close that some of the needles were actually on the street itself, and I could see people that were working coming to and from the camp, or walking around it, coming to and from work. And so, um, what, you know, what's, what's, uh, has the city made any effort to clear it out and clean it up? That's a great question. So the city had a new policy that came out recently um, that stated that certain camps qualify for what they call decommissioning. In other words, they're to get rid of the camp and clean it up. Um, and this this one, based on the policy that came out, it, de- it definitely qualifies under this policy for two reasons, to be removed. Um, it qualifies as a fire hazard and having uncontained needles and waste. However, despite that, the city has refused to take any action on these camps and have just given uh, just given excuses about the lack of housing and whatnot, despite the fact that they put this policy into effect. So my question for the city would be, you know, why would you put a policy into place that you're not going to enforce, especially one that concerns the safety and well-being of so many people around us? I mean, the perfect example is this catching on fire for the second time shortly after this policy went into effect. This, this encampment's fires have caused structural damage to the McCardle Roadway Bridge, and still nothing. And so what's been the response from the city and the county when you've asked what's being done about it? Well, that's, uh, today I actually got a refusal to comment from both Mayor Ed Ganey's office and Councilman Bruce Krause, which is Pittsburgh District 3, um, this, this is his district that this encampment lies in. And both uh, Mayor Ed Ganey's office, being Olga George, the press secretary, refused to comment on my video or the fire that occurred there recently. And the same came from uh, Councilman Bruce Krause. Instead, Councilman Krause pushed me to, uh, his team pushed me to reach out to the mayor's office for comment, who already refused it, you know, refused giving me a statement. So what? what uh, who, who takes responsibility here? Who's accountable for this? Who's going to do something about it? That's what I want to know. Yeah, well, a lot of people should want to know. Um, so you describe what you saw there. The, the thing caught on fire. Um, 
and you can't get the councilman who represents that district or the mayor to comment on it or or to even not not even um just comment on it maybe even acknowledge its existence did they even do that no, they, they both clearly stated to me that they refused to give any statement whatsoever on it. So, if, I mean, you know, if they want to treat me like uh, I don't exist, I, I, I got a message for them. I won't quit. I won't stop. I will continue documenting things like this in the city, and I will continue putting pressure on them until something's done because this is unacceptable, and at very least it needs to be acknowledged. So it's a shame whenever you see people in positions of power like this decide that it's best to stay radio silent and try and ignore the problem while tax-paying citizens like us that live in the city have to deal with the consequences. Well, they don't pay me enough here to watch local TV news. Um, maybe I could get them to do that if I you know, pushed it. Uh, but, but right now, I only see local TV news by accident. It's, it just stinks so bad that I can't, I can't get through it. Um, and so... This sounds to me, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. I worked in local TV news for a while. This sounds like a pretty good local TV news story. Have you seen anybody doing any in-depth story on this locally? And have you made them aware of it? Um, I've reached out to all the local news channels, uh, WPXI, KDKA. Um, I've reached out to them all. I actually did speak to uh, Andy Sheehan today at KDKA. And uh, he had mentioned that he was going to reach out to me here soon and ideally do an interview. So I hope that follows through. Um, I know the local news has covered the fire at this encampment. But more importantly than the fire, I, I believe what needs to be covered is the byproduct of this fire, which is the fact that, you know, the, the consequences of this. The fire puts the homeless, the fire alone puts the homeless encampment in the criteria that qualifies this encampment for decommissioning or removing of it entirely. So the fire itself isn't necessarily the story. The story is the fact that this encampment falls under criteria to be removed and the city doesn't care. They're not doing anything about it. So this policy is useless. We're talking to Bobby Haar. Uh, I, I don't know, is it a website, uh, Eyes on Pittsburgh, or just your documentary company? So it's brand new. Um, it's it's just me doing it, and uh, I'm across all social media channels at Eyes on PGH. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can find me there: YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, yeah. The 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 goal is to expand this. The goal is to continue doing this work and continue showing waste and filth and homelessness and addiction in the city. Um, I have more content lined up that I'll be having come out soon. But I, I, I sure as heck, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep putting pressure on the city. So if you want to see any of the new content I have or, or continue following, it's at Eyes on PGH. So that's where you can find it all. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said uh, uh, earlier today you were up to over 100,000 views. What are you up to now? Yeah, so I actually did uh, I, I did a sweep of all the um, – all the tweets across just just Twitter alone, it's over 150,000 views collectively. So the the people care, and 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 people are seeing this and they're sharing it. 
and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. I haven't gotten any negative feedback from anybody. The only people that seem to be coming at this in a negative light are those in power that can do something about this. But the people love it and love the fact that I'm doing this work. And that tells a lot to me, John. Yeah, and I think the more I hear what you're saying, the more of an indictment I think it is of the local media. This sounds to me like... uh, if there's a, if there is such a thing as a front page story anymore, um, I, I you know I, as I said I don't watch local TV news, but I I follow them on Twitter, and if they were doing something with this, I'd know about it. And they're obviously not. And it's good to hear that Andy Sheehan's going to get back to you. But this seems to me to be as much of an indictment uh, of the media as it is of the people running the the city, uh, and. Um, and what what is a guy like you who just started this uh, this eye uh, on PGH twenty minutes ago, and and you are doing the story, but KDKA, WTAE, and WPXI blow it off? Yeah, it appears like that's the case. Um, I, again, I've reached out. I've given every opportunity for local news to cover this. I really hope Andy ends up getting back to me. I've uh, I'm willing to give a full statement, full interview to any local news that wants to cover this. But this is what's happening. This is what matters in the city. Not everything is PR. Not everything is rainbows and sunshine and a new fair that's going on downstairs. You need to cover what's happening in the city that matters to people. There are people sleeping in the cold under a bridge that's catching on fire next to used needles, rusted, rusty stolen bikes in tents with a pile of garbage next to them, and nobody wants to cover it. So you know what? I will. Yeah, well, they, the, um, uh, the local TV stations, they wouldn't want to spend too much time on this because they might be, only be able to do seven weather segments during the hour instead of eight. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I can get the weather in Istanbul on my phone in 30 seconds, and they'll spend, they'll, they'll spend eight minutes of the newscast doing weather and not find it. Uh, this number one, you've worked in the media. You worked at Project Veritas for four years, so you know how the media work. Uh, just the fact yeah. that that there, and I've talked about this on the show with other guests, media experts I've had on. This somebody like Andy Sheehan, and I know Andy, uh, and he's a he's a an old school investigative reporter. He knows a good story when he sees one. And so, to, uh, and I don't know, maybe the people in local media don't know a good story when they see one anymore, or maybe they're afraid to do them. I, I don't know. I just, I just can't believe that what you're finding is not found to be interest by the, the major media in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, I hate to say it, John, but it, what it seems like, and, and you're right, I spent a lot of time in uh, media at Project Veritas, and we dealt a lot with, uh, you know, national media. I traveled the country doing these investigative reports and working undercover and what have you. So we did, dealt a lot with national media coverage, and we I saw firsthand how, you know, the, the legacy media, the mainstream media, uh, you know, they, they clearly work hand-in-hand hand with those in power. And I never wanted to think that local media does the same, but it's hard to not believe that whenever you see the things that they cover and how much bidding they do for the elected officials. You know, your job as a reporter is to hold those in power accountable, not to do PR for them. Your job is to hold them accountable and put things like what I documented out and show them 
what's wrong with the city. You are to hold the people or to hold the elected officials accountable and work for the people. You're not to do the bidding for them and do their public relations. It's it's it, it's sad. It really is. Are you are you a lifelong Pittsburgher? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're only 27 years old. I say only because I'm old, but. For someone uh, uh, of your age in your mid-20s, and you've already been doing this for four or five years, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. And I, I, I just, uh, before I go, i got about two minutes left here. Um, you actually interviewed actual homeless people. What did you find from them? I did, yes. Uh, so the first video I did, I interviewed a 20-year-old girl. She's not even old enough to drink yet, and she she's living on, in a tent off of Grand Street and, uh, you know, right in downtown, right next to all the big buildings and everything. And, you know, these people have sad stories. It broke my heart interviewing this girl to hear about how she was abused as a kid after she was adopted by, by not so great, uh, you know, pe- uh, adopted parents and how she got into drugs to numb her pain and, you know, how she went from homeless shelter to homeless shelter And again, this all happened to this girl before the age of 20. She's only 20 years old now. And she was very articulate, very well-spoken. You know, let me know that she graduated with with 3.9 GPA is what she said. And I believe her. You know, she was very well-spoken, sweet girl. And it's just sad to see that she has access. And this is what really gets me. She has access as an addict to get free heroin needles and get free alcohol pads and free tourniquets from resources around the city, but she doesn't have the resources to get a shower, to get a decent meal, to get her resume, to someone to help her with a resume, to help her get a job. She's not getting that sort of help, John. So it's it's really, really disappointing to see cities like ours doing things like funding resources for people to continue getting high, yet ignoring resource uh, funding for things like getting a job, getting a shower, stuff like that. And they'll tell you all day that they're, you know, they're doing it because they, they have limited space and whatnot. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's an issue you need to work on. Make space. Yes, make space. Make space. I don't think the solution is to enable people to keep getting high. I just don't. Wow. Well, hey, I'm, I'm out of time, uh, Bobby, but uh, I'll, I'll be watching your stuff. Uh, Bobby Har. real quick, one more time where they can find your video. Hey, thanks for having me, John. You can find my videos at Eyes on PGH uh, across all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. That's Eyes on PGH, and I have a lot more to come. Well, I hope uh, I hope you uh, keep me posted, and we'll have you on again. Thanks. Wonderful. Thanks, John. Okay, that's Bobby Har. We'll be right back. Brian Wanner owns Peter's Brothers uh, Trucking in central Pennsylvania. He could be about to be tortured by the idiots running the state of California. John Stossel wrote about it at townhall.com. It caught my attention, being Pennsylvania and all. And uh, Caleb Druckenberger of Pacific Legal Foundation is representing uh, Brian Wanner in a lawsuit against the state of Pennsylvania. He joins us now. Caleb, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So how is California exactly uh, trying to make Brian Wanner's life miserable? <laughs> well, it's it's a convoluted story. But basically, uh, California's own special rules for emission standards 
have been snuck into the Pennsylvania code uh, by a Pennsylvania regulatory agency. And they, according to Pennsylvania, we automatically incorporate California rules um, no matter what, even even if they don't make sense. Yeah. And so what about uh, California's regulations makes Pennsylvania Pennsylvania the state, I mean, uh, believe that it would be a good thing for Pennsylvania's truckers? Well, I, I mean, there's really nothing. And and sort of by a very strange setup, um, almost 20 years ago, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection said, you know what, it's our job to make emissions rules for Pennsylvania, but, but that sounds too hard. So automatically, whatever California does, that's what we'll do. Um, and, and now we don't have to worry about it anymore. The problem, though, is California is very aggressive, and California has implemented some really extreme rules about trucks, and suddenly they're applying here um, in Pennsylvania, even though you know nobody in the legislature did anything, nobody even in the Department of Environmental Protection in Pennsylvania did anything. Maybe I'm crazy. That seems a little lazy to me. Hey, they're doing it out in California. That must be the right way to go because they don't do anything crazy out there. Let's just pick up what right. they're doing. Well, it's it's lazy and it's also unconstitutional because, you know, normally we expect to be uh, governed by laws by people who we voted for and who write them in the legislature. And, you know, and then those are the laws. And if we don't like it, we can vote people out. But here, you know, the le- the General Assembly didn't do anything. They just they're just sort of watching like all of us as this agency is just taking over the rules from somebody else. Um, you know, and, and then the agency is saying, well, tough. If you don't like it, I guess you should complain in, to the California authorities. Yeah. You think anybody is uh, uh, alerted the, the idiots in Harrisburg? Uh, to the fact that people are, you know, they're running out of U-Hauls in California because people are running away from them, from there as fast as they can, that, it's, that, that the people running the state out there may not be doing a really good job? You think they might have picked up on that by this point? Well, and, and I, I think that's really the, the problem with agencies, administrative agencies, like the Department of Environmental Protection in Pennsylvania, Doing a lot of of really important work without lawmakers either having direct oversight or sometimes even without their knowledge, you know, these, these are kind of questions that the General Assembly needs to make, not just an administrative agency. And and absolutely right. I mean, there's we don't know what California is going to do, but I mean, if they banned cars next year, mm-hmm. then presumptively. Pennsylvania would, too, under yeah. this, this quirk of, of regulations. Well, California regulators uh, say that uh, Peter's brother's trucks are polluters uh, that contribute to, quote, serious health and welfare problems. Do they provide any proof of that anywhere? No, no. And, and what this is, is California, you know, to, to really kind of go into the details, California has said, you know what, going forward, we want heavy-duty diesel trucks, big trucks, to have better emissions 
limit because this is going to cause pollution. And so Pennsylvania says, oh, okay, sure, we'll do that too. But the whole idea is if you only have these rules in California and now in Pennsylvania, but nowhere else, that doesn't make any difference to pollution. It just means that people are going to buy trucks in different states, um, and but people are still going to drive on 95 with trucks that they bought wherever they bought them. And pollution's not going to change. It's just going to make life a lot less, um, you know, a lot, a lot harder for people in Pennsylvania. So it's about where they buy their trucks or, or what kind of trucks they use. I, I don't I don't get. Essentially. Um, so so they're trying to tell uh, Peter's brothers trucking in back there in central PA they're going to tell them which trucks they're allowed to use and which and and which is going to force them if they if the, uh, if they follow along to go look for different trucks and buy them and even if they don't feel that they need them the trucks that they're using now will not be legal is that is that sum it up pretty good yeah it it does and and this is not an insignificant difference in price it it's what we're we're talking about is, you know, where a new truck might cost two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. If a new truck that complies with this rule for California and now Pennsylvania could cost as much as two hundred and eighty thousand yeah. dollars. And and that's it. But it's just for people in Pennsylvania. Well, you got to buy the more expensive truck. You can't sell the more expensive truck here, um, just because. You know, we've we've adopted California's rules. So, um, but if you buy the truck, <laughs> if you buy the truck in Pennsylvania, or if you buy the truck in Ohio, and then drive it back uh, there to uh, the little town in Central PA where these guys are from, um, I, I, I guess the pollution knows when to come out and when to stay in the in the exhaust pipe based on when it comes across the state line. How? How does who who comes up with this stuff? Well, <laughs> well, exactly, and and the whole idea is that nobody wants to take responsibility for this really dumb rule. Mm-hmm. This, this is California's idea, but Pennsylvania, some bureaucrat years ago decided Pennsylvania should do whatever they're doing, but now Pennsylvania is saying, "Hey, it's not our problem. It's not our fault. Look at California." Um, but it applies to people in Pennsylvania. And I guess we should point out, I guess, that Peter's Brothers Trucking trucks all over the country. So they're not just trucking right. in Pennsylvania. So the truck that they have to go to Ohio to buy so that they don't have to put up with 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 uh, Pennsylvania's um, with Pennsylvania's uh, rules, um, it, it's it, it's going to be driven in every maybe every state, but lots of states. Right. And, and I mean, that's really what this is about, is it doesn't make any difference about pollution in general. It, does, it just makes life a lot harder for local businesses because they have to compete. And every state now but California and Pennsylvania has different rules. And so uh, who's on this Pennsylvania Environmental Quality Air Board and what do they know about air pollution anyway? I don't think they know very much, which is partly why they decided to, to kick the, the question over uh, to California. I mean, these are these are a lot of bureaucrats. These are people who just 
work in government. There's a few people who are appointed by governors. Um, but, you know, they're supposed to be experts. And obviously, they're not making real complex decisions. What they're saying is, well, we don't know. We'll just ask California and do whatever they're doing. Uh, and so, uh, the, according to the story by John Stossel, the regulators uh, on Pennsylvania's Environmental Quality Air Board are mostly made up of people like the Fish and Boat Commission, the Game Commission, the Historical and Museum Commission, and they are making decisions based on uh, air pollution and the environment that could you know, put somebody like Brian Wenner out of business. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, these they're making decisions about every motor vehicle in Pennsylvania that's used in Pennsylvania, bought in Pennsylvania. You know, th- this specific rule just deals with trucks, but they have taken the same view for cars, for, you know, mid-sized trucks, whatever. And if California, and I mean, California's been talking about this. There's mm-hmm. a proposal there to ban diesel engines entirely, go all electric. I mean, if that rule passes in California, unless we're successful in our lawsuit, unless something changes in the law in Pennsylvania, that's going to go into effect in Pennsylvania. And diesel trucks in general are going to be banned. And by the way, we should mention that uh, the our friends in government – have uh, seen to it that truckers are already still paying about five, almost five bucks a gallon in Pennsylvania for diesel. I don't know what they're paying in California. It must be about eight bucks a gallon. Uh, so they've done a really nice job with that. Um, it's uh, they. It's almost like they they're they want to put people out of business. And I think in California you could make the case that they'd be happy if all of a sudden all the truckers couldn't drive their trucks anymore and had to, I don't know, start using horse-drawn buggies or something. You know, I I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what their end game is. What is it? You know, I I wish I knew. I I think in California, there's a lot of these sort of political posturing. There's a lot of this idea that we'll make these rules and it doesn't really matter if it's practical. We're just going to, you know, we're, we're just making a political statement, but in Pennsylvania, I think it doesn't make any sense at all. And and it really is about just passing along responsibility because nobody wants to take ownership for it. Nobody is – no politician, no member of the General Assembly is going to come out and say in Pennsylvania, I want to ban all diesel trucks. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of them have so far been okay with, yeah, let's just pass it off to California – We'll pretend like it's their decision, and then we have no responsibility even as it affects our voters, the people in the Commonwealth. We're talking to Caleb Druckenberger of Pacific Legal Foundation. He's suing the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Brian Wanner is the owner of Peter's Brothers Trucking, and uh, your friends in Harrisburg have decided to just follow California's lead and uh, follow their idiotic um, environmental laws that would make it uh, pretty much impossible for Brian Winter to stay in business if he follows those laws. Now, here's the thing, again, to sum up here, um, this isn't just going to affect the people like Brian Wanner, who owns a, a trucking company. If you are a dealer who sells trucks in Pennsylvania, you're out of business. 
because Brian Wanner's going to Ohio, right? To yeah, buy his truck. I mean, it, it puts you in an impossible situation. If you're selling trucks here in, in Pennsylvania, you have to charge $80,000 more for the same truck than someone in Ohio, someone in New York, in, in any of the neighboring states. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, your customers are going to go somewhere else. And, right. and Pennsylvania is just kind of like, meh, not our problem. Sorry. Yeah. We also already, in case you didn't know, have the highest gas tax in America. It's either one or two, but I think it's still number one, highest gasoline tax in America. And if I'm not mistaken, the Pennsylvania Turnpike is the most expensive toll road in the world. In the world. There is no, I, I, I can't 100% confirm that, but I believe that's the case. If it's not the, well, the, the most, to, it's up there. I, I used to live in Pennsylvania. I don't live there now, but yeah. I, I believe it. I believe everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, so, uh, and the other thing is, they want to force these guys to drive electric trucks, right? Now, yeah. if I, I own a trucking company... I'm not so sure that I want to start using electric trucks when I have to drive, say, in January through, like, really cold weather. Um, and uh, I have to concern myself with, num- you know, number one, the the range of the engine being diminished significantly because of the weather. What idiot would decide to change their fleet to electric at this point, which is, again, what they're for- trying to force them to do? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it makes any sense, certainly not for uh, a company like Peters Brothers in Pennsylvania to, to go all electric. And, and look, I mean, the technology's not there. We all know that. And I think even in California, they know that. And they're just kind of hoping, you know, we won't give you a choice. Um, well, but, but again, that's, you know, you're taking someone else's strategy, someone else's view that might make sense for them, probably doesn't make sense for anybody. And then forcing it in, into Pennsylvania in a way that just is insane. Finishing up here with Caleb uh, Druckenberger of Pacific Legal Foundation. So where's the lawsuit now? How long will this take to be resolved? And what are your chances of winning? Well, I, I, we filed the lawsuit because we think we're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's currently in the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court, which is a court that deals with these kinds of administrative constitutional issues. Um, the Department of Environmental Protection has has tried to dismiss the case. We have a hearing coming up um, in the Commonwealth Court. Um, you know, and, and this litigation, unfortunately, might take some time, but we are pretty confident that we're right, and this is completely unconstitutional. Um, and, and I think in the end, the court is going to agree with us and say, you know, if you want laws, you have to actually write them, and you have to be responsible for them. Well, I'm out of time here, Caleb, but if you have the time, uh, I'd appreciate you working on uh, being able to. I live in Washington County, which is a, you know south of Pittsburgh, headed toward West Virginia. If you have the time, it would be nice if you would start working on a way for Washington County to secede from Pennsylvania and, and join <laughs> West Virginia. That's, I'm kind of I'm, I'm hoping that happens before I die. I'll, I'll see what I can do. All right, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right. Care. That's Caleb, Caleb uh, Druckenberger of Pacific Legal Foundation. I'll be right back.
So, um, hey, if you know anybody um, out there who works for local TV news, uh, or if you're someone who actually works for local TV news and listens to this station and this show, um, and I, I would hope that there are some people who I used to work with would, uh, would give the show a, a shot, give it a, a listen every once in a while, but uh, whatever. Somebody needs to get a hold of local media and make them aware of Bobby Har, H-A-R-R. He's the guy we had on our, in our first segment talking about the homeless. Um, and if you look at the video that he shot, and you can find it at uh, at Eyes on PGH, at you can under that listing on uh, Twitter, Instagram, all kinds of different places. Try it on Twitter, wherever. Just watch the video and see if you can find. Just do me a favor and get a hold of somebody in local TV news and ask them how they could possibly not be interested in this as a good TV story. It's got everything a story needs. It's got great uh, pictures. It's television. It's got controversy. It's got emotion. It's got importance. It's got all the things uh, that TV news stations used to actually be interested in doing. Uh, I don't know if I, I guess November is still sweeps month, and it's it, there's a certain amount of sensationalism to this story. It could be promoted as a uh, what they call used to call a sweeps piece that would be used during November to try to bump the ratings up a point or two. Um, I don't know how anybody watches local news anymore, but they still do. And I'll tell you what, when they, they, do, they still do a good job when you really need them for uh, weather incidents, you know, weather, weather events, I should say. You know, if we get a big storm or something like that, that's great to have uh, those people there to keep you up to date on what's happening and what roads are closed and all that stuff. And, and when, a, when a major story breaks, they still do a good job of covering it. And there are still people, and there are still people working at all three stations who I worked with uh, at some point, or competed against at least uh, at some point in the 30 years that I did uh, local TV sports, and I, I know that many of them are embarrassed by what's happened to local TV news. And many of them, uh, and people I know in the sports department, or I'm sorry, in the news departments, they know what a good story is. Uh, I'm talking about some of the anchors who are still working, they know, and the reporters who are still out there. And they are newsmen and newswomen who want to do good stories. And I can't think of a better story than this uh, to be seen on local TV news. Now, I'm not going to watch because, as I said, I don't get paid enough. It's just it's too it's just too deadly to watch. I can't look at it. And that to me, uh, I mean, by the way, it's not a reflection on the people who are in front of the cameras and behind the microphones and all that stuff. They they aren't hard to watch. A lot of them are, do a good job. It's just the content. It stinks, and it's boring. And it's useless, most of it. So uh, please, somebody make one of the or all three of the local TV news operations aware of Bobby Har H-A-R-R. Find him. And if you don't want to talk to him about the story he did, do the story yourself and maybe, you know, skip a weather forecast somewhere in there. See if you can squeeze it in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.